0: The vision statement, becoming like Jesus, that's the goal. That, that is how we measure success. When, when we sit back at the, at the end of the year and we reflect on, on 2022, what made LifeBridge, what made the effort and the energy, what made all that successful? And it's not in numbers. It's, it's not in spreadsheets and spending plans. It's, it's did our people did our faith family make these, these steps to becoming like Jesus? And so, as you could see, that's the goal. Our goal is that we will make a concerted effort to shape our lives. To shape our lives after Jesus and strive to become like Him. Now, our mission. Our mission is actually how. We will fulfill this. So if the vision is the scoreboard, if, if, it's, if it's the are we being successful, the mission is how we do it. And and, and our mission statement is straight from Scripture, and, and it's pretty much, a we are committed to loving God and loving people through relationships. That is the mission of the church because, as Jesus said, it's pretty important. So on this journey, this year especially, but moving into the future, on this journey of becoming like Jesus, we're going to focus on His characteristics. We're going to focus on the very traits of Jesus that make Jesus, Jesus. These very characteristics of Jesus, when we live them out in our own lives, will help us to live in healthier relationships with one another. I mean, you think about it. You think about some of the characteristics. Let me just throw out some. Boldness, honesty, gentleness, compassion, kindness, patience, intentionality. Just to name a few. I mean, those are all characteristics of Jesus. And and, and when you think about it, when you think about uh, those being in healthy perspectives that reflect Jesus, wouldn't you want to hang out with somebody that is completely honest? Wouldn't you want to hang out with somebody that is as bold yet gentle as Jesus? Wouldn't you want to hang out with somebody that has this intentionality thing figured out and he's not wasting a moment? Wouldn't you want to hang out with somebody that's kind and patient? And and, and Jesus perfected these characteristics in lots of others that we're going to, to look at this year. He perfected these. And so we're going to look at these traits and we're going to explore them and hopefully increase them in our lives. And in doing so, it's going to foster healthier relationships. But here's how we're going to do it this year. We're going to look at the characteristics of Jesus through different people in the Bible. We, we are going to be mentored by people from the Bible, people who certainly didn't have it all together because they're not all Jesus, but but they were certainly used by God, and these people demonstrated certain characteristics that Jesus certainly possessed in his life. And So hopefully this year, you're going to hear some different Bible stories. You're going to talk about them in your life groups. You're going to hear some things that don't typically get Preached. I, I'll tell you um, this personally. There's uh, there was golly four or five that as we made the list. I'm like, man, I, I remember that story being in there, but I don't know much about it. So we're gonna we're gonna be looking at some different stories this year, and and I'm excited with that. So today we begin with love. And First John says it right. God is love. And Jesus told his audience one time that we're to. To love God, and we're to love Him with our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength. We're to love God with the entirety of who we are, and in the same breath, we should love our neighbor as we do ourselves. And here's the interesting thing about that command. Jesus said, He said, all the other laws, everything else, all the other rules, all the other commands, everything that you have to obey are built upon these two commands. Love of God and love of God. Of neighbor, and So love's pretty important. As a matter of fact, when it comes to the characteristics of Jesus, we're going to look at this one most often this year. But today, as we begin this journey, I want us to look at a story between two friends. Two friends who had a strong love for one another. A love that was stronger than even family bonds. Now, here's the deal with the story. It happens over the course of three chapters. It's a lot. We can't get into all of it. I encourage you, and I'll do it again. I encourage you, go read 1 Samuel 18, 19, and 20 to get the big picture of this, right? But we're talking about David and his friend Jonathan. Now, to kind of set the stage, David just finished killing Goliath. Right, like the giants over here. He's got all the Israelites, they're scared to death, not sure what's happening. And he figures out, hey, there's a giant over here that's calling out not just the Israelites, but calling out God. And David's like, Well, I'll go fight him. And we know the story. He steps down there, he picks up his stones, he's got a slingshot, he goes down there and he hurls it, you know, and Goliath says some not so kind things to David. And then David actually does to Goliath what Goliath says he's gonna do to David, cuts the head off, shows everybody. The Philistines are scared. They run. The Israelites go and they they pummel the Philistines. And now we're kind of camping back out. We're coming back together. And this is where the story picks up. 1 Samuel 18, verses 1 through 4. We're going to read read just a couple of sections uh, from this chapter. Um, after David had finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan, right? Now he just remember, Saul Saul's knowledge of David at this point is. That's the guy that was too small to fit in my armor. He just killed the, he just killed the giant. Now we chased the Philistines. We won the, we, we won the war. We're coming back. After David had just finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son. There was an immediate bond between them, for Jonathan loved David. From that day on, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him as he loved himself. Jonathan sealed the pact by taking off his robe and giving it to David together with his tunic, sword, bow, and belt. Apparently that's a cultural thing, right? I love you so much. I'm going to take off all my clothes. Here's my sword. Here's my bow. Here's my bow. It's, it's yours. This, this this shows everybody that we have this bond. And here's my word that that I love you. Now, Jump over another chapter. to Chapter 19. And there's a lot that goes on. Can't cover it all. Jump over 19. Saul now urged his servants and his son Jonathan to assassinate David. Things have taken a turn pretty quickly. Okay? But Jonathan, because of his strong affection for David, told him what his father was planning. Tomorrow morning, he warned him, you must find a hiding place out in the fields I'll ask my father to go out there with me. I'll talk to him about you. Then I'll tell you everything I can find out. We went pretty quick from I'm loving David to we got to assassinate him. Now, and we'll, we'll kind of fill in some blanks in just a moment. Now turn to chapter 20. Gotta read a lot here. <clears throat> then David fled from Naoth in Ramah And came and said before Jonathan, What have I done? What is my guilt? And what is my sin before your father, that he seeks my life? And he said to him, Far from it, you shall not die. Behold, my father does nothing, either great or small, without disclosing it to me. And why should my father hide this from me? It is not so. But David vowed again, saying, Your father knows well, that I have found favor in your eyes. And he thinks, do not let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. Then Jonathan said to David, whatever you say, I will do for you. David said to Jonathan, behold, tomorrow is the new moon and I should not fail to sit at table with the king. But let me go that I may hide myself in the field till the third day at evening. If your father misses me at all, then say, David earnestly asked leave of me to run to Bethlehem, his city. For there is a yearly sacrifice there for all the clan. If he says good, it will be well with your servant. But if he is angry, then know that harm is determined by him. Therefore, deal kindly with your servant. For you have brought your servant into a covenant of the Lord with you. But if there is guilt in me, kill me yourself. For why should you bring me to your father? And Jonathan said, Far be it from you. If I knew that it was determined by my father that harm should come to you, would I not tell you? Then David said to Jonathan, Who will tell me if your father answers you roughly? And Jonathan said to David, Come, let us go out into the field. So they both went out into the field. And Jonathan said to David, The Lord, the God of Israel, be witness. When I have sounded out my father about this time tomorrow or the third day, behold, if he is well disposed toward David, shall I not then send and disclose it to you? But should it please my father to do you harm, the Lord do so to Jonathan, and more also if I do not disclose it to you and send you away, that you may go in safety. May the Lord be with you as he has been with my father. If I am still alive, show me the steadfast love of the Lord that I may not die. And do not cut off your steadfast love from my house forever, when the Lord cuts off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. And Jonathan made the covenant with the house of David, saying, May the Lord take vengeance on David's enemies. And Jonathan made David swear again by his love for him, for he loved him, as he loved his own soul. Jump down to verse 27. But on the second day, the day after the new moon, David's place was empty. And Saul said to Jonathan, his son, Why has not the son of Jesse come to the meal either yesterday or today? Jonathan answered Saul, David earnestly asked leave of me to go to Bethlehem. He said, Let me go, for our clan holds a sacrifice in the city, and my brother has commanded me to be there. So now, if I have found favor in your eyes, let me get away and see my brothers. For this reason he has not come to the king's table. Then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan, and he said to him, You son of a perverse, rebellious woman, do I know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame? and to the shame of your mother's nakedness. For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, neither you nor your kingdom shall be established. Therefore send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. Then Jonathan answered Saul, his father, Why should he be put to death? What has he done? But Saul hurled his spear at him to strike him. So Jonathan knew that his father was determined to put David to death. All right, there's a lot there. I get it. Okay. Let's let's understand this this big picture. David comes on the scene by killing Goliath. King Saul is very much impressed with all that David can do and he brings him into his royal court. All right? He's a musician, he plays the harp, he calms Saul's nerves, he he fights for him, anything that he asks, David does it. And David, it says, he's not even allowed to go back to his family. He's not even allowed to go back home. Time passes, and David's success for King Saul, it just just continues to increase. The, The people sing songs. Hey, King Saul kills people by the thousands, but David kills them by the tens of thousands. David is becoming more and more famous in the land and Saul he's becoming jealous. The jealousy leads King Saul to try and kill David a few different times. I mean if you if you read all three chapters Saul tries to kill David several times and he finally gets to the point when he's confronted by Jonathan that okay I'll I'll stop. David really hasn't done anything. He's really a good guy. All he's done is serve me faithfully. He's served Israel well. So I'm, I'm going to stop. But the jealousy just keeps coming up. So as you read chapters 18 and 19, know that there's a lot of drama. Okay, it, it, it's a full-blown soap opera. And after Saul calms down, he makes the vow, I'm not going to... To kill or hurt David. Then we get to chapter 20. David is worried that King Saul is out for him again. And Jonathan says, No, he's, he's not. And David's like, Yes, he is. And Jonathan's like, no, he's not. Look, look, I, I if I knew, if, if, if he were out to get you, I would know it. And Jonathan has this deep love for David. And he says, you know what? I'm going to find out. All right. So David and Jonathan, they formulate a plan and then they work the plan. And as they do, Saul's heart, his intentions are revealed to Jonathan. And this is what he says. I hope you heard it in the story. <coughs> as long as David lives, you will never be able to establish your kingdom on earth. That's what King Saul is saying to his son who is the rightful heir to the throne. Saul then says some not-so-nice things about Jonathan's mother and then hurls a spear at his son. Now, one time he hurls a spear at David, he pins the spear in the wall. All right, so I mean, like, Saul's got an arm. He's got a cannon. And now he's even throwing a spear at his own son. Jonathan's love for David through the saga with his father remains steadfast. As Saul is wrestling with his demons and the struggles that, that he faces, Jonathan's love for David remained strong. And when it comes to choosing his father's wishes or his friendship, Jonathan's love for David was stronger than his jealous father's wishes. This is not going to come up on the screen, but listen to this. This is, right after, this is right after Saul tries to kill his son, Jonathan. As soon as the boy was gone, David came out from where he had been hiding near the stone pile. Then David bowed three times to Jonathan with his face to the ground. Both of them were in tears as they embraced each other and said goodbye, especially David. At last, Jonathan said to David, go in peace, for we have sworn loyalty to each other in the Lord's name. The Lord is the witness of a bond between us and our children forever. Then David left and Jonathan returned to the town. You see the bond, you see the bond these two young men have for one another, it's intense. It's intense. All right, it's strong. Here's what we need to remember about the big picture, right? Jonathan is giving up a lot. Saul wants his name to be great. He he wants his family's name to be great. And, and so he he wants his oldest son Jonathan to be the next king, which based on earthly kingdoms, that's the ritual. That's the way it happens all around Israel. But but one thing we got to remember. God did not establish this kingdom. Man established this kingdom. God had a different plan from the very beginning. And it did not include Saul and his family being the king. But from the earthly from a per- earthly perspective, Jonathan is giving up his right to be the next king in this relationship. And he says, My my relationship with you is greater than what I desire. It's greater than what my father desires. See, God has this different plan. David's going to be the next king. And that's known by Saul. That's known throughout the land. That David is the next one to succeed Saul. But Saul wants, wants his son in there. And so the love that Jonathan has for David is greater than his desire to be the next king. Church, this this love is the kind of love that Jesus is asking you and I to make. Jesus is there with his disciples. John chapter 13. This is hours before the cross, a new commandment I give you. And you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. There is this sacrificing love that Jesus commands you and I to have. We are to have this type of love for one another. And he says, By this love, okay, by this sacrificial love, the world will know that you are. Christ followers I mean there's a sermon right there just in that part of this verse and your life I mean does the the world know that you are a follower of Christ because of the sacrificial love that you continually day in day out live do they know that you're a follower or do you have to tell them and here's the thing Jonathan demonstrated this sacrificial love in his relationship with David he said, I'm willing to sacrifice what my father wants, what, what is rightfully mine based on this earthly perspective. I'm willing to give that up and surrender to the heavenly plan of David being the rightful king. So when you read all three chapters of 1 Samuel 18, 19, 20, you will see that Jonathan demonstrates this tremendous commitment To David. Through all that David went through. Jonathan is there. We. You and I today. We become like Jesus. When we commit. To loving God. But to commit to loving people. The way David and Jonathan did. That's why this is the mission. Of our church. It, it doesn't happen without commitment. And, and so we talk about this for a second. We're committed to loving God and people through relationships. Like, like, like that's, that's the deal. And, and here's the thing. I want you to write this down, and I want you to ponder this this week, because it's not going to come up on the, the screen. This word commitment is a big deal. Because here's the thing. Commitment requires effort. Okay? Commitment requires tremendous effort in some cases. Commitment requires sacrifice. Commitment requires humility. I mean, if we're, if we're going to give this sacrificial love, if that's what we're talking about, if, if we're going to rise to the level of the, what Jonathan showed David through, through all the saga that he went through, there was this strong level of commitment. It takes effort on our part to commit to loving people in a relationship. It takes sacrifice. And it takes humility. The unconditional sacrificial love for anyone. Amanda, my wife my mom and dad my children even god the sacrificial love that jesus asks us to show to one another requires commitment and here's the here's the kicker in this it's not just meant for the lovable <laughs> Like, that's the thing. Jesus was talking about this, and we're going to share this in a couple of weeks, so you'll you'll hear this. But in Luke chapter 6, Jesus is talking about love there, too. And he says, what credit is it to any of you if you love the people who love you back? Like, like Griffin and I had a good day yesterday. You know he's he's busy he's working he's got his life and we hung out yesterday and and it was just it was just an all around good good first portion of the day running errands doing things spending time together um and and man there was just there was just a, a great day and and on our worst days I know that there is love returned back to me the days that as a parent I have to parent and I parent hard and maybe I don't parent fairly there's still love right here. And and, and Jesus is like, what credit is it to you, Michael, that you love your son who loves you back? And and like for many of us, that's that's where we want to stop in the loving process. He says the sinners do that. The sinners love other sinners. And, And He goes down this list, and he, he keeps all these acts of love and showing compassion and different things. And it's no credit to you if you only love the people who love you back. That's when he says this line. Therefore, love your enemies. Uh, that one's tough. Therefore, love the people that you have differences with. That's 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 hard. But that's what Jesus is giving this his disciples in this this new command. That that's the, the premise of, of it goes all the way back to the Old Testament. Love your neighbor as yourself. Who's my neighbor? It's anybody that I come in contact with, even the unlovable. But you can only do it in a relationship. Like, like that's that's how love works. Love has to be done through relationship that's why we have this in here within our mission statement we are committed to loving God and loving people in relationship I, I always remember you know my time as a youth minister now Artzel I had all these kids and 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 they would just say oh we love you every time oh we love you oh we love you oh we love you oh we love you and and that was just something that was just this thing that that we say in our culture we love you we love you we love you but but there's there's no real deep relationship outside of the hours at church. Real love takes place in relationships. That's why we have a high value on small groups of people getting together often and doing things together so that we can practice and demonstrate this love. I talk to Stella almost every single Wednesday night when she leaves student life group. That this right here. I don't even know what the story was. I don't even know what the lesson was. That environment right there is where you are learning to love people as you do yourself. And the greatest lessons for her, I'm sorry, sorry student life group leaders, the greatest lessons for her aren't even necessarily the story that you're telling, but the lessons that she's learning how to love other people in that environment. It's the relationship is key. The bakers have a friend. Grace and Ken. Ken? They've been on a prayer list. They've been on a prayer list a few years ago when they were in a bad motorcycle accident. They've been on our prayer list before. They're they're on a prayer list that I have at home in our life group. Grace has been sick, and Grace was sent home the other day, and um, basically to just live out her last days at home. And she refused oxygen, and she's like, "I don't I don't want to delay. I don't want to delay this." called Bob and Dee up. They're friends, they talk often. Said, Dee, can you come? And Dee jumped on a plane and she flew out there. And Grace passed away yesterday afternoon. It was a beautiful thing that Dee got to be there with her friend. Bob called me last night and um, he shared the news. And you could tell yourself, it's coming. You know it's coming. And I saw the caller ID, Bob Baker, B. Baker, and I, I knew what it was. And I asked Bob if I could tell this, this story. I'm not grieving over grace a little bit. I don't know grace. I, I, I couldn't pick grace out of a lineup. I can relate to the family the passing of a loved one and, I, and I'm saddened that they're going through that I can rejoice because she is a believer she's a follower of Jesus and, and she's you know, in line for her reward but my heart is not so much heavy for grace and Ken because there's no relationship there but my heart is very heavy for Dee and Bob I've, I've been there when they have poured out their heart about this relationship. I've been there when they've talked about previous incidences and a bad motorcycle accident and how Ken and Grace were separated in different hospitals and so on and so forth. I, I have a relationship with, with Bob. And my heart breaks, not for Grace, who I don't know, but for Bob and what he is going through. Love is demonstrated in relationships. And Jesus commands us to go into the world and to to love each other. And and church, we could say it, I can say that I love my family in England. And there's a spot in my heart for them. But I'll tell you this, and some of them might even be watching right now, You hold a much greater spot in my heart because I have relationship with you. I I haven't seen some of these people in years and years and years. Love is lived out in relationship and we see that through the ups and downs of David and Jonathan, but it was steadfast. And that is the love that Jesus has for you and I. Church, that's the love that we're to have for one another. So who in your life? One person, co-worker, teacher at your kid's school. Maybe somebody that has offended you somewhere along the way. I don't know. Who's somebody, just one, that you can start loving as Jesus modeled with us? As you become like him. Hey God thank you for your word. Thank you for just. Thank you for today in general. But this moment right now. We can look at David. We can look at Jonathan. And we can see how they intertwined. And lived life together. And the different dynamics there. And and, and there was this, this wedge in between David and Jonathan. And it happened to be a family member. And, and, and Jonathan opted for for love over his own father's misguided pursuit. And I pray that we can love one another in relationships, and I pray that that we can take this out into our worlds, into our neighborhoods, into our, our schools, into our places of work, and we can just love one more person. That, that, that one person will come onto our screen that, you know what? Man, this person's difficult to love. This person is maybe different political views. Maybe they have different COVID policy views. I, anything, God. Maybe they root for a different football team. Lord, I'm going to love this person. I'm, I'm going to model Jesus. I'm not going to preach at Him. I'm going to love them the way that You do us, Father. And in doing so, God, may we take a step toward becoming like You. God, it has to be done in some form of a relationship. That's where we really get to practice patience and kindness and boldness and honesty. And So help us to rise up to this challenge. Thank you, God. Amen.